Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? That's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds in Brooklyn and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? 
Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. It's me, Mike Vardy, back again for another episode. And this week, I'm joined by Matt Bodner. Matt has been named to the Forbes 30 under 30. He's called a rising restauranter star by the National Restaurant Association and a strategy pro by Restaurant Hospitality Magazine. He's also a partner uh, at Early Stage Investment from Fresh Hospitality, where he focuses on deal making and strategy. He and, and, and we focus on this episode primarily on his podcast and what he does there called The Science of Success. Uh, it's got a, a ton of downloads over at, at the time of of our discussion. It was, uh, you know, 785K plus downloads. And it focuses on improving decision making, understanding psychology and sharing insights from experts. Now, 
we talk about like daily architecture in this. We talk about frameworks, awareness, the kind of stuff that I love to talk about whenever I get on an episode and have a discussion with uh, any one of my guests. So we get right into the weeds with this one, some real deep stuff. And I want to help you just do more than dip your toe in. I want you to kind of get in there now. So let's just do that. Here's my conversation with Matt Bodner here on the Productivity is Podcast. I'd like to welcome Matt Bodner to the Productivity is Podcast. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Mike, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. So um, we we've been trying to get this interview scheduled for a little while now. I mean, uh, we've we uh, we've had some. Um, I, I guess, the funny thing is, is is that we are you fairly regimented with your scheduling? Like, are you fairly? Do oh you try yeah, to, I'm militant yeah. About yeah, yeah. So when something shows up um, that throws things off, and and I think that for me, and we're going to dive into this is this is related definitely to what we're going to start talking to is, is so for example, if something shows up and I know that I can't dedicate the time and attention or the intent, you know, to the, the person I'm talking to, let's say on the podcast, or if I'm having a meeting, like I'm having a coffee meeting later today with a friend, um, I will not have that meeting if I know that I will have other things going on in my head at that time I, is and I think by being fairly disciplined and, you know, regimented with my schedule in a way that isn't um, overly, shall we say, um, you know, like I don't schedule every moment of every day. I have the theming that, you know, my audience knows about that where like every day has a theme. Are you like, is that, do you feel the same way where it's like, listen, I'm if I'm in, I'm all in and therefore, and, and so I have to be that tight because otherwise my mind can kind of go in different directions or my attention can be pulled in different directions. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably not in, like I'm super militant about controlling my schedule and kind of where, you know, where things go and only things are allowed to only be scheduled on certain days and that kind of right. stuff. Um, it less actually from the perspective of, you know, if there's something scheduled and I don't feel like I'm going to bring like 100% to it, I typically probably wouldn't reschedule unless it was like something, you know, really, really vital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I try to, it's more about trying to create like an energetic flow on a given day that allows that to sort of naturally take place. And so, Every, like you know, I mean, that starts with, and I think this is, you know, if you look at kind of the daily architecture of a lot of top performers, you know, high achievers, that kind of stuff, even like, you know, Josh Waitzkin's kind of model for daily architecture, who I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but, you know, multi-time national chess champion, world champion, martial artist, uh, now kind of talks and coaches people on performance, incredibly sharp guy. Uh, and And he talks about, you know, having a daily structure and a daily architecture that kind of lets you tap into your natural flow in your natural energy state. And I think, you know, we right. can get into what that looks like. But for me, like, it's all about having my days structured in a way that I'm not getting pushed into kind of a reactive state. And I have as much time as possible for those kind of high value proactive things. And so, you know, without getting super into the weeds, I try to schedule my like my mornings, basically, I have no, no meetings ever in the morning, like before noon right. or before 1pm. And that's always like meditating, learning, thinking, working on projects, that kind of stuff. That's your deeper. That's your work. D- deeper work time because that's when yeah, you're at your exactly. best, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when I'm kind of like I'm a I'm a morning person, so I try to have my like optimal energy in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm a little more distracted, a little more frazzled, and so that's when I try to have a lot of my meetings because I, you know, those are typically, you know, not as high value as kind of that deep work. Right, right. Now, here's a question for you, because this is how I operate. So I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm a, I'm a night owl. So I'm more of a later. So I tend to actually have my interviews, coaching sessions, all that stuff in the mornings, because I can feed off the energy of the other people. And is that similar for you? Like, it's not so much um, for me, it's not about the value per se, although you're right, it can it can, you know, dither a bit. But when 
it's almost like you're when you're in those situations that you're like, okay, game face, like you know, and and if they're bringing enough to the table, it's kind of like when I was doing comedy, like you know, when I was doing theater work, like if you had nobody in the audience, and there were times where we were doing comedy where there were more people on stage that were that were than than were in the audience, um, the comedy suffered because there's nobody to feed from. Whereas you know, if it's a one to one meeting, uh, or if or if again, if you've got a full house, um, you know, you're guaranteed to get some kind of laughter going on, even if, you know, part of the audience isn't getting into it, but you've got some, you could feed off of that a bit. Do you find that happens to you as well? Like in the afternoons or when you, when you're being more social, you can kind of um, either blend in maybe, or just feed off of some of the energy of people around you. That's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I are, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? You know, it's funny. Um, after reading quiet, um, I, I thought I was more extroverted. I find that as I've gotten older, I've become a bit more introverted. I would say that I'm more of like a pseudo extrovert, like the person who, when I'm going, I can go. And then, but then I need that time away. Like I did a workshop last weekend where when I was with the client for pretty much the whole day, um, I was, you know, on point. But then at some point they said, oh, we're going to go here. And I said, no, I'm going to go. I'm finished for the day. And I basically just went back to my room crawled into bed earlier than I normally would and just sat and watched HBO and just kind of decompressed. So I would say I'm, I'm probably less extroverted than I was years ago. What about you? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. I, I think I'm, I'm probably very similar. Like I'm, I'm a very social, ext- social introvert. So mm-hmm. like I, you know, I think about introversion, extroversion is like, where do you derive your energy from? Right. And to me, an extrovert is someone who derives their energy from being out in a crowd and being around people and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I derive my energy from being alone basically mm-hmm. like me, you know, me time, like quiet, reflective time where I'll put on some, you know, some classical music or something really chill. And I'll be like reading and thinking. And that's, that's how I recharge my batteries. And so for me, like the, I don't, I don't necessarily draw energy from other people in the afternoons. It's more just trying to align my days with my kind of peak productivity periods with when I think I'm going to be producing the most value. And for me, that's typically in the morning. Right. And for me, I think the the, the cha- challenge there is because I do a lot of client work. And I know you do consulting work as well. I mean, we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes as well. I think that I, I almost, um, it's that pseudo extrovert component where I say, okay, you know what? Um, I don't, and remember, I, you're, where are you? Are you on the West Coast or East Coast? Where are you? Uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah, so you're time. central. See, I'm on the West Coast. So often when people on the East Coast want to meet with me, it's like eight o'clock. Like I actually had to create a boundary of like, I will not do a call before eight o'clock. And even then I'm just, I, I'm not, I, I don't like to do things that early in the morning, but obviously when you're serving people, you want to be able to do that stuff. So it's kind of like they, I can, the great thing about doing something like that is I can, um, draw, like I, I, I raise myself up to that level, but because I'm not, um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm drawing my own energy. I'm kind of siphoning it off of like bouncing it from what they give me. I'm not using my willpower nearly to the degree. So by the time two o'clock hits, which is my kind of my peak time, it's my, I call from two to four, my making time. It's my, I'm in making mode. That's when I'm ready to rock. Um, that's really so, funny. That's like my lowest yeah. energy time period. Yeah, it's uh, there's a book called The Power of When. I've had Dr. Michael Bruce on the show before, and we talked about you know, and I know Dan Pink's wrote When as well. But the idea of your body clock and listening to energy, and I think that this is this is a really nice way to segue into decisions because a lot of the decisions that I've made have been based on when can I deliver to myself and to others my best, based not so much on 
Um, you know, and again, this is why I structure my day by modality and by themes is when is the best, you know, time for me to approach these things so that when, you know, when it's time, like, Hey, it's, it's, you know, morning, I know that this is the type of work I'll do in the morning. There's no inner war. And then in the afternoon, I know that I'm going to get to making later. So I'm not sitting there at 11 o'clock going, Oh man, I've had this great idea. I can just shelve it for later. And three hours from now, I can return to it and make a decision as to how far I want to go with it. So having those boundaries in place, having those, that, that framework in place, it actually fosters freedom. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super important. And I mean, it sounds like we have, we basically use the same principles and just apply it to sort of when our, our given kind of peak energy times are. But, you know, yep. I think it's, it's critical, you know, schedule definitely creates freedom. You know, having that time blocked off that I know I'm going to be doing, you know, X or Y helps me kind of get into that mode and focus on that stuff. And then when it's time to move on to the next thing, I'm, you know, I'm ready for it. And I know that's, that's what's going to happen. And so I, my modality is morning is kind of my making time and afternoon is my meeting time. Right, right. Now, here's a quick question for you. Um, which, and this is going to probably, it's a quick question, but it's going to dive into some deeper answers, I'm, sh- I'm sure. So a lot of people, when they hear about frameworks and they go, oh, man, that's too, why, why structure it, that I feel too, I feel too um, restricted. I feel that there's too many constraints. So I can't, I don't feel as creative or I don't feel like I can, uh, I feel like my space is truncated or my time is truncated. So I can't do my best work. Um, why? I believe that that's a fallacy. I believe that, you know, we get into that. It's definitely a fallacy. Yeah. Why Why? Why does that happen? Because I know you've spent a lot of time studying decision theory and stuff like that. Why, first off, why do people go that way? And secondly, how do you help people break free from that that bias, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, why that happens is a, is a tough question to answer. But I, I think there's a meta principle. I mean, because it happens for a million different reasons, right? It's like, why do people make bad decisions? Because there's there's a lot of reasons underpinning right, that, and right. and I think many many kind of mistakes or or bad decisions really stem from like one core sort of source point, and I think that's a lack of awareness, really you know a lack of self awareness, um, or kind of a lack of knowledge about the broader you know sort of what's going on, or kind of digging into the science, or or really a deeper understanding of what's at play, and so. You know, if I look across the the catalog of people that we've interviewed on on the science of success, like I would say the single most recurrent theme again and again and again is that self-awareness underpins the development and the creation of all of these other skills, whether it's, you know, leadership, networking, communications, learning, teaching, um, creativity, all of these things. If you're really self-aware and you cultivate the ability to understand yourself and what works for you, then you can you can kind of solve any of these challenges. You can develop all of these skills. But if you lack self-awareness, then you're kind of in the dark and you end up kind of trapped in a cycle where you're constantly repeating the same mistakes and failures over and over again. So for people who who don't really understand uh, what rhythms or, or kind of, you know, attitudes or, or strategies are the most effective for them, or they're kind of just awash in the world and getting tossed around and, you know, don't really think about structuring things in a way that will enable them to do that. I think it starts with trying to figure out, you know, trying to understand have they even taken the time to look at when when do they feel most productive? When do they create the most results in their life? When are they the most effective? When do their energy when does their energy feel like it's peaking? You know, you have to start with an understanding of kind of what's going on with yourself and and you know, looking at your life and seeing, all right, when are the periods or the times or the things that I've done that I've done really well, that I've been successful, that I've been aligned, that I've created a lot of things that I wanted to create? And what are the periods where I felt derailed or or unproductive or stuck or frustrated and and you know, 
starting to understand the characteristics that align around each of those different buckets and then just taking, you know, the awareness is like half the battle because once you know that, then you can start to take action and say, okay, I know these type of environments make me more productive. I know these kinds of things make me less productive. And then you start trying to design your environment to eliminate the things that make you less productive and to start to cultivate and do more of the things that can make you more productive. I want to talk about, I want to dive deeper into awareness because I think you're right. Like, I mean, you, a lot of people make decisions based on, um, they don't slow down. They, they kind of are just, they're just going, they're just cranking the wheel. They're not really, they either make decisions based on, oh, this is the way it's always been done. So why would I do it any differently? I don't want to rock the boat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they don't slow down, but also when you talk about this, this idea of discomfort, like to to dive to spend not only time to dive deep, which could feel uncomfortable because you're, you're slowing down for a lot of people feels uncomfortable because they it seems counterproductive to do that. Um, and then the idea of once they get in there, they don't necessarily like what they see um, or they don't necessarily understand how to deal with what they see. So can we talk a little bit about the role of comfort and discomfort and how maybe people can combat that? So that, or at least get com- get comfortable with discomfort, so that way when they're when they're in that when they're exploring this or when they're looking at I want to make better decisions, I need to sit in this discomfort for a while so I can make sure that I'm going down the right path, as opposed to just going blindly down a path without really like again uh, tapping into that self awareness. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, before we dive into discomfort, which is a super important topic, I mean, I mm-hmm. think. I want to I want to zoom back out and talk a little bit more about, you know, one of the things that I that I studied tremendously and spent probably the most time in my life thinking about and studying is kind of the meta skill that I call the art of decision making, which is how to make better decisions, right? And the reason that I'm so obsessed with decision making and it comes from not only interviewing, you know, top experts in psychology and neuroscience and people like astronauts, hostage negotiators, all kinds of stuff, but also spending countless hours reading you know, and studying people like John D. Rockefeller, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, all these kind of top, top, top achievers. And, you know, when I when I look at it and try to figure out what are they doing that is so much more high leverage than an average person, right? How are they? Right. Because because the value they're creating is not sort of linearly related to how much time that they're investing. Right. Like there's at a certain threshold, you can't just hustle more and spend more time, you have to be doing stuff that's more high leverage to create the results, the results that you want to create. And so I'm obsessed with this kind of this, this breaking point of like, how do you become more high leverage? And I've, I've studied that and, and spent a ton of time kind of consolidating my thinking around it. And I created basically a five part framework that I call the art of decision making. And the first thing on it, the first step is when you look at these top performers, these kind of high achievers, they repeatedly like one of the most strong commonalities is that they use what Charles Duhigg uh, calls contemplative routines right. to determine what's most important to focus on, right? And so yeah. that comes back to what we were just talking about a second ago, which is taking the time to figure out, like if you don't, if you think you're too busy, you have too much going on, I can't blah, blah, blah. You know, it goes, it makes me think of the, the saying, like if you don't have uh, 10 minutes to meditate, you need two hours. Yeah, right? and people need, and like, people need to, yeah, like like the five minute journal would be a great example. Like it's in the yeah, title. Like, you know, it's like 0.3% of your, 0.03% of your week. Like if you need to, and, and some people need to quantify it. They need to go, oh, well, of course I have that much time, but they don't think about that in the moment, right? Yeah, and, and if you look at, I mean, there's there's Harvard Business Review studies and all kinds of stuff that, that's gone into this, but if you if you don't take the time to slow down and think about 
what you should be doing and you just keep doing, 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 you're, you are objectively less productive. And again, like Harvard has written about this, done studies about this, all kinds of stuff. You're objectively less productive than people who actually spend the time first to focus and figure out what should I be doing, right? Yeah. And I mean, Tim Ferriss has talked on it endlessly about that. There's a really good book called Essentialism that digs into that. Gregory um, McEwen, yep, absolutely. And and there's a uh, there's a great saying that I think it's from the Marines that then it's talking about like snipers, right? And it's slow is smooth and smooth is fast, mm-hmm. right? Which kind of encapsulates that really simply. But I just want to underscore again and talk to that point that you mentioned, which is like for people who think they're too busy and have too much going on, that's exactly why you need to carve out the time because you need to figure out what you should actually be doing. And if you if you can't stop and do that, then you're going to keep being really ineffective and wasting a lot of time and a lot of energy. Right. Um, and, 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 and just to, to underpin that is the idea that people who, you know, there's that saying, if you don't have time to meditate, then you need to meditate. Exactly. Right? Like that's exactly. a common phrase. People say that, like, I don't have time to meditate. And you absolutely need to meditate. Like there's no question you do. Yeah, exactly. Because it gives you... It, Meditation is one of the pillars of awareness, right? And that awareness helps you to start to see where you're wasting time, where you're spending time, where your energy is getting sapped, what your priorities really need to be. And you know, the, the, when you look at the top, top performers, top achievers, everything from world champions, billionaires, etc., it's really clear that they spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about what they should be doing and constantly whittling away. And then they just execute on those really impactful, really high leverage items and they create massive results as a result of doing that. And you know, to come all the way back to discomfort, which you which, which you touched on kind of before I started going on this rant, um, it's a, it's a fundamental component of of digging into and understanding yourself, right? And really, even well beyond your own results. I mean, if you want to be emotionally tough, if you want to be mentally strong, uh, if you want to you know play on the level of of world champions, people who compete under immense pressure, that mental toughness is built on a relationship with discomfort, right? And most of us live in a world where we, when, whenever we encounter something uncomfortable, we shrink away from it. And we say, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to deal with that. But the funny thing is, is you know, the, the battle with discomfort is built and kind of waged in your daily life. It's those little moments where you feel uncomfortable and you just kind of push into it instead of pushing away from it, that your comfort zone slowly starts to expand and expand and expand. And you know, the first time you do something it's really, really scary or confusing or whatever. The second, you know, third time you do it, you're starting to get the hang of it. The 20th time you do it, you have a pretty good sense. The thousandth time you do it, you're, you're bored, right? And it's, right. it's just building that tolerance, cultivating that, that ability to withstand that discomfort. What happens is, and I call this the sphere of discomfort, and it's something I've written about, and we have a couple podcast episodes about this too, but it's like basically this idea that whatever the results you can achieve in life are kind of encapsulated in this sphere of things around you. And the more uncomfortable you're willing to get, the bigger and bigger and bigger that sphere grows. And like opportunities appear and things manifest that that you can't see or understand unless you've started to push that frontier out. And if you never push it out, then the only opportunities and things you're going to see are things that are right in front of you and things that are easy to do. But if you keep stretching yourself, keep getting uncomfortable, the more you do that, the more you keep reaching and finding these new opportunities and ways to, to you know, create value in your life, to do things that are really fun and exciting, to challenge yourself, to grow, et cetera. And, and, you know, really quick story that kind of encapsulates that. When I look at, 
you know, my own life. Like this interview wouldn't be happening if I didn't constantly push myself out of my zone of comfort. You know, I would have mm-hmm. never had a podcast if I hadn't constantly pushed myself out of the zone of comfort. I wouldn't have gotten to the steps that led me to the podcast, which is a whole long story, if I'd never pushed my zone of discomfort. And so it was like this progressive story and I actually tell it in the podcast episode I have about embracing discomfort. But like, you know, if I hadn't taken all these little mini steps, every single one of them, I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you and wouldn't be sharing it with, you know, people all over the world. And, and you know, this is only another step towards getting more and more uncomfortable with new things and new frontiers that we're going to continue to push the boundary and continue to create, you know, cool and exciting and new results in the world. So before we wrap up, I want to dive into an element because I'll, I'll, I'll share mine and then I'd like to hear if you'd be willing to share yours. So the funny thing is, is you're right. Like, you know, Discomfort never goes away. The higher you, cl- the the as life changes, as you go down these paths, whatever paths you go down, it shows up in new, like you said, unexpected ways that you just didn't, you know, that that kind of either come out of nowhere or that you ne- you know, um, you kind of expected them, but you never qu- were quite sure. Like for example, like imposter syndrome would be one, right? Like it uh, to feel like, oh, if I just stay in this place, then I, I won't push myself ha- far enough because uh, I feel like I'm not worthy to do that. So I'll just stay here. Um, for me, um, I com- I combat it by having by capturing everything and making it as deliberate and intentional as possible. So instead of putting down like right book, I'll break it down into smaller tasks so that I am more comfortable about moving forward with it. A lot of people don't do that. They'll write down right book and they'll go, oh, there's no way I could possibly do that. But the other thing is, is um, comparison for me is a big thing. So I'll I'll look at what's going on in 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 you know in my sphere or my space and I'll see what other people are doing and it's human nature to go oh well they're doing that how come I'm not doing that or look where they are and you know how come I'm not there etc cetera, etc cetera. or vice versa and I think it's going to always happen what and for me the biggest thing and we're going to talk about this in the bonus episode is journaling journaling's kind of been my saving grace with stuff like that cuz I mean I'm not going to put that stuff on Facebook or anything like that, although I guess I've kind of shared it publicly with you know thousands of listeners right now. But uh, I'm not going to necessarily write about that on Facebook or do anything like that. Instead, I'll kind of internalize those deeper in a journal. What about you? What are like, I mean, obviously, you've said like as an introvert, like pushing yourself outside of your zone of comfort, doing things like this, your podcast. But are there anything else that you find like as I mean, you've interviewed some pretty heavy hitters. You, I mean, you've you've achieved a lot in your own outside of the podcast as well. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff we're going to link to in the show notes too. I mean, there's lots of stuff out there. If you, you Google Matt Bodner, you're going to find a lot of stuff. So the question is what right now do you find that you're, you're feeling that aura of discomfort about, and then what are you doing to kind of push past it or, or, or manage it if, if that's all you can manage to do at this point? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of, of, you know, kind of circling back to the idea of being an introvert, right? Like when Mm -hmm. I, I have a natural tendency, like when I'm, let's say I'm sitting on an airplane or I'm going to a, a cocktail party or a mixer or whatever, like I have a tendency to not want to be really social and engage with people and go talk and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I went to a conference, there, there's a strategy that I use to kind of break that apart. And, and it's, I, I would consider it, I don't know, if, I mean, it, I, would, I would consider it basically a subset of the, the idea of rejection therapy, which I don't know if you've talked about on the show, but we interviewed Jia Jang, who's kind of the, yep. the, the, owner of rejection therapy, the creator of it, did this whole thing, 100 days of rejection, all this stuff. And like rejection therapy is incredible strategy to just develop a really healthy relationship with discomfort broadly. And and 
I used kind of a specific toolkit within that. It's called social skydiving, which is basically when I was, you know, when I was felt when I would go to an event, let's say like an event where I didn't know anybody, you know, especially kind of like a, a marketing event where there's like a lot of people there that, you know, a lot of them seem really successful. And I don't know if, if I'm successful, then blah, 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 all the kind of stuff you were just talking about, right? Like self-doubt, imposter syndrome, all these things. Social skydiving is basically this idea that whenever you're out somewhere, you find the most intimidating like conversation or group of people that look like they don't want anyone to like bust in and talk to them or whatever. They're right in the middle of something. And you just like roll into their conversation and no plan. I had no idea what you're going to say. Just be like, hey, what's up? Right. And you kind of keep throwing yourself into these situations where you're constantly trying to like put yourself out there and figure out like with no safety net basically and realize like it's not that scary to, to go and talk to strangers. Right. It's not that scary to like strike up a conversation with a total stranger. And I recently did this. I hosted this scavenger hunt in Nashville that was like a video photo scavenger hunt. And the whole idea was kind of underpinned with some of the themes from rejection therapy. And I invited all my friends to participate in it to kind of give them some lessons in getting uncomfortable. And so like some of the challenges were like make a phone call with a stranger's cell phone, right? Take a photo right. of yourself sitting at, at a table with like a family of strangers, um, you know, and, and like all these things, like get a photo of yourself in a cop car, like all these different challenges where the goal was to basically say, yeah, this is uncomfortable. And if you want to win the scavenger hunt, you got to get uncomfortable, push yourself out there and do it. And what you realize when you start doing that stuff is it's actually really fun. And once you kind of break through that, like there's some, especially someone who's an introvert that, you know, kind of has dealt with being shy and not wanting to talk to people and wanting to kind of sit in the corner on my phone or just talk to my friends at a, at a cocktail party or whatever. When you get out there and push yourself out there, it, it's, it's amazing to see how much the world opens up when you're willing to embrace discomfort and kind of challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone. Matt, this has been great. And there's a lot more we're going to talk about in bonus episode. Uh, I want to dive into routines journaling. And I want to talk about some of the books that you recommend, but we're not going to do that now. We're going to leave that for people who uh, get the access to the bonus episode. But Matt, where can people find you and your work online so they can dive deeper into decision making and uh, you know your framework and all that stuff? So uh, where, where can people find you? The best place to find me online is actually I've taken kind of the the four steps to making better decisions. And I, I created a free guide that you can get by going to successpodcast.com slash better. That's B-E-T-T-E-R. It's uh, it, it consolidates like all the thinking and, and writing that I've done around decision making into a really succinct guide that kind of gives you the whole framework. And it's, it's a really, really powerful tool, something that I use pretty much every day to shape how I think about the world and how I make better decisions. Awesome, Matt. Thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Productivity Podcast. Thanks for having me on here, Mike. And that's it. Big thanks to Matt Bodner for joining me this week on the show. Big thanks to John Polster for producing the show. Big thanks to my team for putting together the show notes, which you can now review on the website or in your podcast uh, app of choice and follow up on what else Matt's doing and any other relevant links that we discussed. And, uh, you know, if you want to take it a step further, you can give us a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ratings help. Reviews are even better because they give us context, help us make the show better. And if you want to take your productivityist experience to the next level, you can check out productivityist.com slash membership to learn more about how you can become part of the productivityist community. Lots of big things happening behind the scenes and soon to be in front of the scenes as your uh, as this episode is being released. So I encourage you to check that out. Again, productivityist.com slash membership. Again, thanks to my entire team for putting this show together. John Polster has produced 
so many episodes now that, you know, it's crazy. Uh, He is my right-hand man with this podcast, if not the man with this podcast. So big thanks to him. Uh, Big thanks again to my team for putting imagery and show notes and all that stuff together. And big thanks to you for listening. Really do appreciate it. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.